Mark chapter number 10, we're going to stand in honor of God's word here this morning. Mark and chapter number 10, we're going to read about this and uh, then preach about it here this morning. Mark and chapter number 10, while you're finding your place there, uh, let you know we celebrated 70 years as Southwest Baptist Church last Sunday. It was a blessing for us to get to do that and sure thankful uh, for God's blessings on the church family. And I know everybody here would, would echo, I'm glad I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Uh, that's what this day's all about here. So let's read about it here in Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10, a little bit past uh, halfway in your Bible. Mark chapter number 10. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have gift Bibles we'd like to give to you. We have them both in Spanish as well as in, well, we have them in English as well as in, in Spanish. And uh, then we also have a book called Done that we'd like to pass on to you. I think that you'd enjoy as well. So be sure to pick that up today in the foyers. Okay, Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 17 is our text. Mark and chapter number 10. I'll do a little bit of reading too, by the way, from a book uh, called Romans. And so if you wanted to follow along, you're welcome to uh, Romans chapter number three. So maybe after we've read, if you want to find the book of Romans and then just mark your Bible with a, a card or uh, the, uh, well, we call it the hangy downy thing in your Bible. How's that? The ribbon, the ribbon. There it is, the ribbon. Uh, you can mark your Bible there, uh, Romans in chapter number three. Okay, um, Romans I'm sorry, Mark 10 and verse 17 says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? It's a very good question. What, what shall I do? What shall I do? What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He understood that once you die, that's not the end. There's, there's eternity. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Notice what Jesus said to him in verse 18. Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. And he mentioned some of the 10 commandments here. You might be familiar with uh, probably most of them. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. Boy, we could preach that a while, couldn't we? Honor thy father and mother. Notice how the young man answered in verse number 20. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now, I, I, I'd be okay with him on most of that, but about bearing false witness and telling the truth. How many think, I'm not so sure he thought all the way through that one right there because... Probably everyone here has lied at one time. If you say that you haven't, I'm thinking that was your second one. <laughs> but in other words, he's saying, I, I, I've, I've conformed to those standards. In other words, he said, I, I think I'm okay. 
I think I'm good. I think I'm good. But wait a minute. Would he have asked the question that he started with? What may I do? What shall I do to have eternal life? If really deep in his soul, he knew everything was okay. He knew something wasn't right. Then Jesus, oh, I love this. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Loved him. And I can say the same to you today. Jesus loves you. He loved him. And said unto him, now this is very unique. And if you'll bear with me here in a few moments, I want to try to explain it. Because you could, misunderstand, you could misunderstand what Jesus is saying to mean like, well, I have to give money to get saved. That's not it at all. Okay, just know that up front, right? But Jesus is getting at the heart of something here that we all need. Verse 21 again, Jesus beholding him, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast. And give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross. And please notice this, it says, and follow me. Uh, salvation is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Follow me. Well, verse 22 says, and he, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. Now, the story goes on. Jesus is interacting with his disciples. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all these verses. But if you just glance down, Jesus said is basically this. It's hard for those that have riches to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not because they're rich, but because this, they don't think they need anything. And so Jesus makes that plain. In fact, he even says it's hard for a camel, easier rather for a camel. I'm looking at verse 25 if you want to see where I'm reading. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Like the biggest animal, animal they would have known. It's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. How many of you have a hard time threading a needle anyways? I have a hard time when I'm, when I'm just, uh, you know, putting a hook on a line, right? Just trying, man, my eyes cross. You know, as you're getting, trying to get it tied and such. So he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into heaven. And, and so his disciples asked this question, verse number 26, uh, at the end of it, who then can be what? Saved. Who can be saved? Notice Jesus' answer. With men, this is impossible, but not with God. Not with God. Not with God. You see that? Not with God. For with God, all things are possible. You can be saved today because God can save you. But you need to know this, you can't save yourself. So today the message is entitled this, simply this, receiving God's gift of eternal life. Receiving God's gift of eternal life. Jesus' unique and yet consistent answer to life's greatest question. Jesus unique, I'm saying it's unique because of what he said in reply to the young man, but it also is consistent with his answer in every context as to what it takes to receive eternal life. I hope to be a help to you here today to make the matter of salvation as plain and as clear as the Bible does. How's that? That's it. That's our goal. So may God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. Let's think about this passage here together and apply it to our lives this morning. <clears throat> 
I think by our very nature, we are, uh, we're fixers. I mean, fixers in the room here, fixers. Yep, fixers, there's a problem, there's some situation. I mean, you want to fix it, right? You want to fix it? I, I got I to I give it to my wife. Uh, she, she also has that spirit. I'll give up way quicker than what she does. You know, I mean, if there's something messed up, uh, I'll go buy something new. And she'll say, no, I think it can be fixed. I'm thinking, not by this man. I know that because while I have a fixer heart, I don't have a fixer mind. You know what I mean? Anybody else like that today? Okay, so you, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, somebody said that uh, they made, you know, there's two things you need in life, WD-40 and duct tape. WD-40 and duct tape. WD-40 for things that aren't moving, duct tape that, for things that don't need to move. That'll, that'll fix most, most problems, right? We're fixers, you know, whether it's a light. Somebody told me, hey, your headlight's out on your truck. And, and sure enough, it was, but you know, just one real hard tap on the front of it got it back on again. That was a real blessing. <laughs> I wish it would stay that way. I've done it twice. We'll see how long that lasts, right? So... Could be a ticket coming my way. But anyways, we're fixers. We're fixers. But I, I'm, I'm saying to you today in this text, there's, there's a problem that every one of us have that you can't fix. Not one of us. Not this preacher, not anybody that's here. There's, there's a problem that every one of us have here today. In Mark chapter 10, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, these parents brought their children to Jesus. And I, I'm glad that even though the disciples, here's what they tried to do. They said, uh, Jesus is too busy for these children. Jesus said, allow the children to come to me. Suffer the children. I'm glad Jesus loves children, aren't you? And he loves the little children of the world, all the children of the world. I, I love that. But the reason I mention that is because actually, if you look back, I want to point out a few verses here along the way. Uh, in verse number 15, he says his disciples, verily I say unto you, everybody see this I'm in the same chapter, Mark 10 and verse 15, whosoever shall not, what's the next word? Receive. Receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. In other words, Jesus is saying this, you cannot earn the kingdom of God. You can't earn salvation. You can't achieve it. It's not something that, that you can achieve or attain, but it is something that can be given Amen. to you. And all you have to do is just receive it. You say, oh, preacher, wait just a minute. It's got to be more complicated than that. Not according to God's word. Now, if you ask a bunch of people, you're going to get all kinds of ideas about what it takes to be saved or what it takes to go to heaven, uh, what it takes to have eternal life, what it takes to be forgiven of sin. I mean, you're going to get everything from church membership to being baptized, to being christened, to, to, being, um, to being a better person. I mean, there, there's going to be all kinds of answers, but there's really only one Bible answer. The kingdom of God is not made up of powerful executives. It's not made up of popular athletes. It's not made up of prominent military leaders, though, thank God, there are executives, there are athletes, and there are military leaders and so forth who are safe. But here's what Jesus said, except you become like a child, 
and just simply believe. Don't you love kids? And what you tell them, I mean, they, they just, they believe you. They do. It's awesome. It really is. But you got to receive it. Uh, here in this account, uh, Mark is telling us that to Jesus came a man, uh, a man, it says. And in other of uh, the accounts here in Matthew and Luke, you could go to the right and to the left and you'd see those books of the Bible and you'd find out a little bit more about this man. We'd find out he's a rich man. Well, we can tell that from Mark's account here that he was a rich man. And also it would tell us that he was young. It would tell us that he was a ruler uh, of, of sorts. And so he was a hardworking man. He was a religious man. But religion will never save you. I believe, according to what he said, he was a moral man in the sense, like Brother James said a moment ago, he was uh, good enough not to get in trouble, but not good enough to go to heaven. He probably was a young man of manners. We've tried to teach our boys to say yes, sir, and no, sir, and yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. To this day, I mean, my parents, inst anybody else like this, my parents instilled this in me, and, and I'll be talking to someone, and they'll say, hey, you don't have to call me, sir, and I'll say, yes, sir. <laughs> Drilled into me. Drilled into me, and I'm glad for that. But, I, but I'm saying today, having good manners is not going to get you to heaven. Having good works is not going to get you to heaven. Be a, more, a moral person is good, but it's not going to get you to heaven. Being religious is good, but it's not going to get you to heaven. In fact, you don't need religion. You need a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But this man deep in his soul knew something's not settled. Something's not right. If I died today, I don't know for sure that I'd go to heaven. But the Bible says that you can know for sure. But he was unsettled about that. And so the Bible says that he ran to Jesus. Isn't this interesting? Here is this man running to Jesus and he falls down at his feet and he says, good master, what shall I do? In his mind, there was something that he had to do in order to be saved. Uh, all of us think that surely there's more to it that, than that. You mean you just have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved? Just simply putting your faith in him, putting your faith in what he did on the cross and that he rose again. That's all I have to do to be saved. I just have to trust him. Well, think about it. Who else are you going to trust? Believe. But in our minds, we think, oh, there's something else that we must do. Even when sometimes as adults, at least. Now, as a, as a child, when you give a child a gift, all they do is just say, thank you. But as adults, we think, oh, what do you want? What do I have to do for this? Okay. This man came to Jesus and he said, uh, good master, what, what, what shall I do? Verse 17 again, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Uh, first of all, you do need to know that, there's, that there is eternal life. That when you die, it's, that's not just the end. You're either going to go to heaven or the Bible says you're going to go to hell. But Jesus came and made the way that you might go to heaven, friend. And so he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And, and Jesus said, uh, why callest thou me good? By the way, Jesus was not denying that he was good. But I think here's what Jesus wanted to do at this instance. He wanted this man to really stop and think about what he just said. Why callest thou me good? There's none good but God. In fact, Jesus is not denying being God because he is God in the flesh, according to what the Bible says. And so he's just causing this man to stop and think just a moment. And I think it's good for us to stop and think about what we're saying. And so why callest thou me good? Jesus said unto him, there's none good, no, not one. 
the Bible says. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, if you happen to mark your Bible there, let me just point out a few verses uh, here this morning. Romans chapter 3 and in verse number 10. Okay, Romans chapter 3 and in verse number 10. Look what the Bible says here. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, you know what the word righteous means there? It just means this, right with God. There's none right with God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Does that include you? Does that include me? Thank you very much. You're exactly right. It's very true. There's none righteous, no, not one. And then it goes on to explain uh, what that looks like, how that how that we don't naturally seek God, but I thank God that even though we don't seek Him, He seeks us. And wants a relationship with us. And it talks about some of the actions. And I, I'm not going to take the time to go into all that. I do want you to see verse number 19. Would you please? Verse 19 of Romans 3. If you happen to have your Bibles open. And if not, then just listen. Here's what it says. Now we know that whatsoever the law saith, that would be the Old Testament, that would be the Ten Commandments, whatsoever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become what? Guilty before God. Guilty before God. If I ask you this morning, are you innocent or guilty? Innocent? You say of what? Well, hang on just a minute. Innocent or guilty? Have you ever sinned? Sin is breaking God's commandments. Have you ever sinned? Uh, we've got one honest man over here. Have you ever sinned? I'll never forget uh, asking my uh, youngest son. I guess he was about age four or so. And I said uh, to Trenton, I said, Trenton, have you ever broken one of God's commandments? You know what he said? Trevor has. <laughs> My brother has. Let me list them for you, right? Sure. But we're, we're quick to point out what others have done. I'll never forget preaching up in Lebanon at uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church and some soldiers, by the way, there's some soldiers watching today uh, from San Antonio. <laughs> My live stream. That's awesome. I remember, I'll never forget asking those soldiers though in Lebanon. Have you ever told a lie? And I didn't expect them to answer just out loud, but all of them said, yes, sir. <laughs> I said, have you ever stolen anything? Yes, sir. <laughs> have you ever looked at anybody with lust? Yes, sir. Have you ever taken God's name in, in vain? Yes, sir. Do you want me to continue? No, sir. <laughs> well, they were being honest, right? That's exactly right. But I'm glad to tell you at the end of that day that, that I forget the number exactly, but there was a good number of those young men and a good number of those young ladies that said, yes, sir, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've broken God's commandments. I know that I've told a lie. I know that I've stolen. I know that I've taken God's name in vain. I, I know that I've looked at somebody with lust. Jesus said, even if you do just that, I mean, if you just do that, then you've committed adultery already in your heart. And so what, what they were confessing to was being lying, thieving, blasphemous, adulterers. You know, when you say it that way, it's hard to think of myself as being a good person. In fact, when you think about it that way, you realize I'm a sinner. When you think about it that way, you recognize, hey, I, I need help. And, and here's why you need help. Not only are you a sinner, but think about these two words, holy and justice. 
God is holy and he's also a God of justice, meaning this, that he must by his very holy nature condemn sin, condemn sinners, deal with sin. I mean, what would you think of a judge who knew that this person had murdered your loved one and yet the judge said, well, just try not to do that again. You would say, that's an unjust judge. That's not right. If he's really a judge, then he ought to do what's right. Hey, listen, let me, let me say to you today with a heart full of compassion, with a heart full of love for you, just like Jesus had, because the love that's in my heart for you, just like the love that's in this heart, church's heart for you, is really Jesus' love for you. And, and I'm, I'm saying to you today, listen, if a, a judge, we would expect a human judge to be righteous. And let me tell you something, God who is truly God, can only be righteous, can only be holy, and he is a God of justice. And that being the case, listen, apart from his salvation, every one of us are in a heap of trouble. We're all in trouble with God because he's holy and he's just and he's righteous. And what every one of us deserve is to be separated from God. Because if you're still there in Romans chapter number three, the Bible says in verse number 23, it says this, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means this, I may meet, I may have a higher standard than somebody else, but I don't have a, a standard that's as high as God's standard. I come short of that standard. And it also says this, that the wages of sin is death. It's separation from God. Like Brother Raspberry said, the day that he went to Friend Day, the preacher preached about a man that went to hell. And, and why did the preacher do that? Because he was an unloving, mean-spirited, mad Baptist preacher? No, because he knew the love of God for sinners that wanted sinners to know the truth. Let me ask you this. If you go to the doctor and you have cancer, don't you want the doctor to be honest with you? Don't you want him to say, listen, there's a serious situation here that if you don't do something right now, then it's going to get even more serious. Are you, are you listening to me here this morning? Don't you want a doctor to tell you that? I mean, we don't, none of us want to hear that. I understand that. But, but I would want a doctor to be very honest with me. I wouldn't want him to say, well, you know, it's it probably just going to work out. It'd be all right. You know, you, you look good. You look good. You got a nice home. You got a nice car. You know, you're living in America. I want a doctor to be honest with me. What, what do you expect of a preacher? What do you expect of a preacher? I think you've got good reason to expect a preacher to try to live what God's word says right here. I think you got a good reason to do that. A preacher ought to. And, and I think you got a good reason to think and expect that a preacher ought to tell you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. On the word of God here today, you're in a heap of trouble if you're not saved. You're guilty before God if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You're yet in your sin. You say, but, but wait a minute, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not bad like other people are. Yes, but have you sinned? Then either you're going to allow what Jesus did to pay for your sin, or you're going to try to pay for your own sin. This young man came to Jesus and he, and he said, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You know what Jesus did? He pointed him right to the law. Thou shalt not commit adultery because God wants marriage to be between a husband and a wife exclusively. And then he said, thou shalt not kill because taking the life of innocent people is wrong. And, and, then, he, and then he said the other things he said there, thou shalt not... Uh, I'm, I know I went back to Mark chapter 10 and he says, thou shalt not steal because you ought to respect other people's property. Thou shalt not bear false witness. You should tell the truth. Honor your parents. Don't, 
Don't swindle people out of their money. Defraud not. Treat people right. He says, all these things have I kept from my youth. Jesus got to the heart of the matter. And he said this. You got a lot of money. Go sell everything you got. And give to the poor. I had a beard. I'm scratching it right there. <laughs> I got to sell everything I've got and give to the poor. How do you think Jesus was saying to everybody, you got to sell everything to be saved? That's not what he's saying. You, you know what he's saying? He's saying this. If you're going to receive eternal life, You've got to leave behind everything that you're trusting. Because this man was trusting his money. And, and what Jesus is doing is getting right to the heart of the matter. And dealing with it right where he was. This man was covetous. I think we all deal with covetousness. We see what somebody else has and we think things like this. Why they get that and I didn't. Right? Why are they driving that and I'm not? I have to hit my headlight to get it to come on. <laughs> I've got a nice truck. I enjoy it. I got, a, I got a text last night of a young man, I mean, probably age 10 or 11, that killed a big old 10-point buck. You know what? I, I almost changed the message to, thou shalt not covet. <laughs> man, I was thinking, wow, 10 years old. Okay, look, I'm just saying Jesus just got right to it and he said, okay, if you really want eternal life, then here's what you've got to do. Stop trusting yourself. Because this man kind of thought he was a good person. And Jesus had to bring him, had to bring him to really where all of us are. And in one word, it would be this, helpless. In ourselves, Helpless. Apart from his help, apart from his salvation, you're helpless. Please, please consider this this morning. If there is anything, can I reason with you here for just a second? If there is anything that you could do as in, you know, a list of things you could do, join a church, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to go through the list, but if there's anything that you, that, that you could do to make yourself right with God, then why did Jesus need to come from heaven to earth to die on the cross for your sins. Stands the reason there's nothing you can do to save yourself. I have a missionary friend, Brother Steve Benefield. He's a friend of this church. We support him. He takes the gospel all the way around the world to Cambodia. And he, uh, he wrote about salvation and he said this, if, if a boat went down and a man is treading water, would you just work with the analogy here for just a moment? If, if, a, if the boat went down, and imagine you're out there in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, treading water. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is to qualify as a lifeguard. I thought I was physically ready for that, but I found out in a hurry, uh-uh. I mean, and what, what if you're in the middle, I mean, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? You know what you're probably thinking right now? I'm going to swim to California. <laughs> I mean, it's in us, isn't it? It's in us to think, I got to do something to fix this. 
and swim as you may, if you're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, you're not going to make it. Now, you may make it further than I do. And I might make it further than somebody else. But it doesn't matter how far you make it. If you don't make it to shore, you're not saved. You're not safe. You're not okay. But imagine this. A rescue boat or a lifeboat comes up to you and a, and a, and a man that's trained in, in saving reaches out his hand or cast out the lifesaver, the life preserver, and it's, it's right there and it's available to you. How foolish it would be to say this. I'm okay. I, I got this. The, the, the way of salvation is right there. Why? I mean, it makes no logical sense why we would say, I'm just going to keep doing the best I can. I'm just going to keep doing the best I can. And somehow I'm going to make it. You won't make it. Because we're not talking about swimming from the middle of the Pacific Ocean to the shore. We're talking about you as a sinner going to heaven. And there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But here's the good news. Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, came and gave His very life for you on the cross of Calvary. And your sin and my sin and the sin of all men of all time in one time was placed on Him as He hung suspended between heaven and earth, dying on behalf of sinners that we might be saved. And, and God who is holy, the Father who's holy and just, who, who we already have established, must deal with sin. Listen to this dealt with sin on the cross and proved his victory over sin by his resurrection. And he's able to save anybody who would come to him by faith. But you must receive, please, please understand this. The fact that Jesus said that, that if you're going to receive whosoever shall receive it as a little child, that indicates that you don't already have it automatically just because you were born in a certain family or just because you tried to be a good person. No, it indicates this, that you have need to receive the gift that he is offering to you. And today, in fact, in this very hour, the Lord is offering to save you. And I know that many of you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven. But I, I want to ask you to think about that. I realize death is not a pleasant thought, but let's, let's acknowledge, let's acknowledge the truth. If Jesus tarries his coming, then every one of us are going to face the day that we're going to die. If you died this very day, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Or do you say, you know, I, I really don't know. If you could know, wouldn't you like to know? And if what you were trusting or believing wasn't what Jesus said, wouldn't you want to know that? God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, listen to this one word right here, you ready? Believeth in him. Trust him shall have everlasting life.
shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. This young man came to Jesus. And then the Bible says that he went away sad. You remember reading that? I can see him. Can you see it? His head dropping. He had a comfortable life on earth. But if he died without Jesus today, he's living a painful eternity. I urge you today, I urge you to realize you're a sinner, to understand that Jesus did everything necessary for you to be saved. And then for you to know, yes, I have believed, like the Bible says, and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says, shall be saved. Amen. As many as received Him, to them gave He power to be, to be the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. It's believing. It's not you achieving. It's trusting what He did rather than what you can do. That young man walked away sad because he went away still trusting what he could do. What will you choose? today. What will you choose today? Let's stand together with every head bowed and eye closed.